And welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut. And you have joined myself and Paul and Lauren as together we young adults restlessly, restlessly, I can never say that right, restlessly seek the face of Christ in the midst of today's crazy and mixed up world. And you know, one criticism I hear a lot about the church is that the church talks too much about money. And the truth is that we need money to operate. It's, it's, you know, we have to turn on the lights and the air conditioning. And now that I'm a pastor of a parish, uh, I should say, excuse me, a parochial administrator of the parish up in Monroe, I'm realizing just how much money does go into a parish. Um, it's a, it's a, lot of, a lot of cheddar. What's the name of your parish? I'm at St. Jude's in Monroe, Connecticut. Yeah, I don't think we've covered that yet, Father Joseph. We have not. We have not. Just a couple episodes ago, I was named parochial administrator which is kind of a trial period before you become a pastor up in this new parish. So I'm no longer at the Basilica of St. John's with Lauren and Paul, but still love you guys. Oh, and we miss you. Yes, of course. Yeah. Very happy for the people of Monroe, though. Yeah. I, I love... uh, are we? <laughs> I am. <laughs> I love Monroe. It's a quiet town. It's kind of an old Yeah, I'm fashion. happy for you because it seems like it's a good fit for you to be out of the city, right? And more in nature, but... Yeah. You're yeah. so good, so... Well, hopefully people there will think so too. I don't know. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> As pastor, you have to make tough And you do post decisions. your homilies. Everyone needs to know that. Yes, yes. We if, can still get your rich wisdom. If you want to go to the blog, it is uh, thecrossstands.blogspot.com. Mm. Thecrossstands.blogspot. Okay. Yeah, so check it out for all my homilies. But today, anyway, we're talking about money. We're talking about tithing. First of all, what is tithing? Have you ever heard of tithing before? Yes. Yes. Like before I sent out the email about yes, this episode? Of oh, okay. yeah, all right. no, no, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the, the famous thing is 10%, 10% of your income, however you want to define that, pre-tax, post-tax, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think different, uh, different, different uh, denominations of Christianity have all different approaches to this. And I have never really heard any, I've never really heard a concrete answer from any Catholic cleric or or important person thereof about what the right number is or how you should think about it. I haven't, I've, I've gotten some vague advice, but, um, if you ask, you know, Mormon, it's 10% gross. Right. And yeah. they make sure of it too. Yeah. Like, they'll like, check your tax records. Yeah. It's very important. So, um, and so I know some of the more Orthodox Jewish folks too, they're very, they're pretty concerned about it too. So that's not Christianity, but you know, it comes from Old Testament is a 10% number. Right. Right. I mean, God required that in the Old Testament, the 10% of your flock, 10% of your fruit of the fields, and people had to do that. And it was sacrificed? Yeah. Or offered up? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and given to the temple. Mm-hmm. And is it something like um, like the first amount that you earn is given? Yes. It should be the first fruits. Yeah. And which is an incredible trust in God, right? Because if you're giving the best lambs you have, you're not sure if you're going to get more lambs. You're not sure if you're going to get more grain. But you do it saying, you know what, God, this is yours. I, I trust you. Right. And I think it makes sense for the Old Testament because God was leading the people along, right? Mm-hmm. And he was constantly showing them that he was there for them. And then they would like leave, right? And believe in a false God or whatever. And then he'd come back again. Yep. Yeah. So it's good for the Old Testament. Is it also something we should do in the New Testament? Well, I think... Well, I, I made a joke before we started this episode that, you know, we can eat bacon and like 
in the Old Testament, you're not allowed to eat bacon um, or pork products. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, well, okay, well, maybe this one, maybe this one we were absolved from too, you know, but. Uh, and I re- responded by saying the Ten Commandments we don't, we're not yeah. absolved from. Well, no, Jesus has mentioned the Ten Commandments a couple of times. Yeah. And he kind of raises the bar. Yeah, that's right. You've heard it said, do not kill. I said, you do not be angry. Right. So. Yeah. So, I mean, he doesn't say like, do not eat pork and do not cure your pork. Um, <laughs> so, so anyway. Uh, I didn't know my pork was sick. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh-huh. Sorry. Uh, no, so I think it's, it's, it's interesting. But I, you know, I think, I think that certainly some level of donation is generally appropriate. That's why I would, that's my base level answer. Is, <laughs> so is, some level. Yeah. So $5, $10. Well, it's better than zero. That is true, yeah. So if you're not giving anything and you start giving $5 a week, like, it's more than zero. That's true. That's true. Yeah, what do you think that young adults should be doing? I think we should be striving for tithing. Now, we may not be able to, we may not be there yet. You know, I wouldn't, like, if you've never given anything to the church, don't necessarily, because you have to make some financial plans to tithe. It might mean cutting back on something else. But I think, I also just don't think all your tithe needs to go to the church. You can also give it to other charities, but I think 10% is a pretty reasonable amount to give back to God for everything he's given us. Yeah. I think the other key with that is knowing that everything we have comes from God, which I think a lot of us forget, you know, right? Yeah. like all good things. So if you don't have that knowledge or you're not aware of that, then it's going to be much harder, I think, to give it back. Because mm-hmm. you are living maybe in kind of fear. I mean, even people I think who are well off, right? They they may be planning. I need this money for retirement. I need it for possible medical expenses. I want to go on vacation, right? Like whatever it is, they're they're planning in their year, and they're it's already assigned, you know. And they've got to hold on to it, or they're not sure what's going to happen. But when you have a strong faith in God and you understand that everything comes from Him, I think it's easier to give back. Mm-hmm. But that should be something we build into our budget: is is tithing and charitable giving. You know, so as we are saying, okay, this is for vacation, this is for medical, this is for the church, for the good works of the church. So do you think the church has a bad rep at this point for like maybe always asking for money that people are just like, oh, oh yeah, I'm so over it. They're do always you, asking. I mean, do you guys feel that way? I mean, okay, so there's a difference between the church, right? So I would say like we have our parish, which, you know, most people give two weekly or a lot of people give two weekly. I do. And then we have like... Archbishop's annual appeal, or sorry, that's because I come from the Archdiocese of Hartford originally. The bishop's annual appeal, depending on where you are. No, annual Catholic <laughs> appeal here. But anyway, as <laughs> the such, appeal, the appeal of some sort. Um, and then you might have other programs, like in Diocese of Bridgeport, we have the We Stand with Christ, which is a big program to help fund your local parish plus a general pot of money for other projects. So, uh, so it does seem like so it's pretty controlled here. I would say the things that do get is that once you start giving money. The letters don't stop. Yes. Every single Catholic organization, you'll have a letter in the mail with a long letter about how much money they need and how much they don't have it. And so you have to start making decisions. And you also have to vet what you're getting in the mail, too. Yes. Yeah. I think you're pretty safe giving to your parish and giving to appeals or other diocesan-wide things. That seems like a pretty safe way to make sure that your money's um, being um, cared for. Yeah. Which I think is really important. And I, I work in the, so I work in the not-for-profit um, asset management space. That's 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 kind of what I roll, on, roll into. I don't do that specifically. I'm not an asset manager specifically. I'm an investor. But like, and so we have to advise a lot of organizations, including many Catholic organizations on 
um, how to properly govern, set up their governance policies so that they can accept donations, um, not just from a legal structuring, but like making sure, in, ensuring donors that when they give money, that it's well cared for, that it's prudently invested, that it's, um, you know, it's shepherded well. So that's the kind of the things that I, I look for when I have to make a donation. Mm. Well, that's good that you have the financial insight to be able to examine those things. I think probably yeah. most Catholics who don't work in the financial sector don't. Yeah, you, have, you have to be careful because you don't know what organizations are sitting on top of other organizations and what salaries they're pulling. That's not necessary. Sometimes you can circumvent some organizations and get closer to the source where your money's being used for less salaries and more mm. you know, actual goods. So not that the salaries are necessarily bad. Well, that's, I mean, those people have families and stuff too, but like, you know, it's it depends on what you want to give for. Yeah, and that's one thing that always turned me off about Catholic Relief Services is that the the CEO makes almost 500000 a year. And it's supposed to be this money that's going to these poor children mm-hmm. in Africa and building wells and things. And when you're drawing half a million, you're like, well, my donation, where's it going? It's going to this yeah, person's you have pocket, to, you know? Yeah, so I think the the answer to that would be is that you, you have to make sure that the CEOs of these organizations, it, it, there's a return. There could be a return on that, right? Either it's more, it's the, the organization is functioning better, meaning there's he's implementing or she's implementing cost savings that are exceeding their salary that wouldn't have been there. Their marketing efforts, their fundraising efforts are greater. So they're bringing in more money. So you always have to look at, you can't just, I, I would say, I would caution anyone to just look at the CEO of any organization, especially not for profit and just say like, that's too much money I'm not going to give because there's probably a story behind why they're making that and why they're worth that much money. Hmm. Um, because remember That's, these these people are very there are very few of these people out there. They're really special people that can run an organization like that effectively. Well, that's a very generous interpretation. It is, I but I, this is what I do for a living. So yeah. I mean, we look at salaries and compensation and spending. I mean, it is yeah, five hundred thousand is not uh, not unheard of when you look at things like the United Way or oh gosh, other, yeah. I mean, you can go crazy with not for profit. I mean, the, you know, one of the best gigs around is being the CEO of a not for profit. You can pull down millions a year. Right. Um, right. But five hundred thousand doesn't strike me as like absurd. Oh, I get your point, Father <laughs> Joseph. And now hearing Paul, I understand what you're saying. That you know, um, for a certain level of talent and skill and um, you know ability, you got to be able to pay, right? Or that person's not going to be there. They're going to be somewhere else. Correct. Or they might be in the for-profit world. They could take those skills and go work for a company and make three million a year. Yeah. They might actually be choosing to take a huge pay cut to come and do the five hundred thousand a year. So it's all relative. I suppose. I, I don't know. For me, yeah. I, for me, I kind of look at, you know, are you, are you mission driven or are you money driven? You know, why, why are you in that position? Are you in that position because it pays so well or are you in that position because you believe in the mission of what you're doing and are willing to yeah. do everything to make sure the mission is accomplished with, the, you know, so if someone is really passionate about Catholic Relief Services, mm-hmm. hopefully you do it for 100000 a year, which is still, a, you know, a pretty yeah. nice salary. And yeah, it's not, it's not hurting anybody to go down to that. Right. Right. I, well, okay. So one more point on that. I think you can, I think there's people that might be doing it for both for whatever reason. I don't know why they would, but maybe they could, maybe. they could be doing it. We, we they often, really believe in the organization and they're willing to do it. Like I said, these people generally for a lot of, especially Catholic organizations, they can go somewhere else and make a lot more money. So yeah, yeah. Is a different, there's, I mean, so I would say that make sure that the, the preponderance of the money, if you're bringing in, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars a year in donations or millions and millions of dollars a year in donations, then you just have to look at the, the proportions more than the yeah. discrete numbers. 
I guess in my um, experience of what, what I personally have given to, I've only given to charities that I've had personal experience with. Yep. And I've only given to charities where I know that the people are in it for the mission and not for the money. So for example, uh, one of the charities I really like supporting is called Off the Streets. It was founded by a deacon from our diocese up in Danbury. Um, a deacon who was assigned to the parish with me at St. Mary's in Bethel, uh, Deacon Mike Oles. And he founded this great model where basically 100% of the donations go directly to getting people into housing, mm-hmm. the homeless. And and it pays the security deposit and, and gives them furniture and gives wow. them a start on food. And it says, basically, if you have an income, whether it's disability, um, social security, or, um, you know, or you have a job, then... You can have an apartment. We'll pay the security. We'll pay pay everything else. But you need this income where you can continue to pay rent. And since its inception, probably about 2008, I think it was founded, and it's it's gotten over 200 people off the streets. But Deacon Mike takes no salary. It's a it's a volunteer position, oh, and phenomenal. there's nobody that works for salary there. It's just people who are so mission driven. So I know every dollar I give is going directly to getting someone off the streets. Right. Right. And that's great. Yeah. yeah, it's not it's not feasible on a world global yeah, scale. Yeah, yeah, no, sure, those but. those things those are those are really great uh, organizations to give to. Yeah, and, you know, like for example, like I'm I, I mentioned before, I'm part of the Crossroads for Christ organization in in Connecticut, and that's a 501c3, and so they take donations, and so there there's a few people that work for the parent organization, and they're you know they're bootstrapped, meaning that you know they're <laughs> every dollar that they raise is is meaningful for themselves because they quit their jobs and. Mm. And, and did this full time to try to to expand and grow the mission of the organization, and they took pay cuts, and there was a lot of uncertainty about where the next dollar is going to come from to pay the bills, and yeah, so you know that's a that's so that one is I think similarly, it's you can really see where the money's going toward, but a lot of the donations are going toward salaries and benefits and you know software programs, but that's kind of what you need. You need people to do that. So yeah, yeah, if you do yeah. need people. Yeah. So I'm curious if you don't mind sharing, what organizations do you support financially? Well, I mentioned one just now, Crossroads for Christ. C4C, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've done the various diocesan programs I give to my parish and then random things here and there. Okay. I've given to like the new, co- directly to the new, not through Catholic charities, but directly to the New Covenant Center here in Stanford, which, which is, is uh, like a soup kitchen and um, social work center, yeah. as you call it. Yeah, that's a very good organization. Yeah. I'm more of a reactionary giver where someone asks me for a donation that I know, then I'll give it. Mm. Uh, so I volunteered at the first Veritas Catholic Network pledge drive on mm. the phones and I was there a part of it. And, you know, I know they need the money. I know Steve. So I gave uh, for the Rosary Club. That was a pretty good sized donation, which oh, I, I don't typically do, you know, but it was like more of a personal thing that drew me to it and um I have a friend who um as a you know like a bike rider um so every year there's a Sharon's ride I think it's called it's for cancer so he asks me like he just texted me today actually mm. Sharon's ride it's like okay another 20 bucks my brother got to run the New York City Marathon because he volunteered at this organization in New York City called Keen it's like for lower income children, um, giving them, I think, mentors and doing activities and sports. It's like, here you go. Here's some money for you for that. Um, but I don't have like a strong connection to anything personal Mm. that I've been a part of. So that's why I say it's reactionary. Like when you say we're doing a social night of service, I'm like, okay, I'll go and buy sandwich stuff and come and show up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. But I I don't, yeah, I guess. So nothing, nothing that's ongoing. No, I'm trying to give more to 
to the church weekly, but I often forget. So I have it on the credit card now. Just every week, it just clicks my credit card, which is weird because then I think you're still supposed to put the envelope in the thing to show that like your attendance, right? Or oh, no really cares? <laughs> no, I just <laughs> okay. Do people tie that though? Like when they um link up their credit card to automatic giving? Do people tie that to tithing? Do they call that that or no? Yeah, it is considered okay. tithing, yeah, but okay, yeah. it does it feels different. I'm sure. Because I what, feel like, like what writing a check. Or um, well, you, you, yeah, you make a few clicks and then it's it's you're giving forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Versus kind of making that choice every week to yes, I'm gonna yes, I'm gonna do it. Yes, I'm gonna do it. Oh, what's the difference? So Sorry, lot, I'm a financial well, no, guy, so not, I look at I see not, the money look, hey, going out of the look, account. I, Great. <laughs> well, a lot of there people. Isn't, were... There isn't a difference, I don't think. But I think I think psychologically. Psychologically, maybe people. I would say so. So I I get like I get annual bonus, right? Like a lot of people base in bonus, and so I have a, a month every year where I get a big chunk of change, and then I make my donate. I usually make my larger donations at that point. Mm. So, so I think people do it differently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Back to the tithing thing. When that first came out, right, where people could pay, you know, weekly through their credit card, that was kind of like a big deal, wasn't it? Like people were not into that. Yeah, it's still kind of a hard sell. Yeah. Especially among our some of our older parishioners who really like writing a check and yep. Right. But I guess the point is kind of so you don't forget to do it, right? And the church continually well, gets that donation. Older. Oh, with COVID, yeah. Yeah, because sure. I wasn't there <laughs> to give the money. So I, mean, I was a cash guy because they, the church keeps track of it for me. So like I get a statement at the end of the year. True, true. It doesn't matter if I give cash or credit card or check. It's like I still get the statement, which, you know, my accountant, i.e. dad, appreciates. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, either either way is, is fine, whether it's online giving or giving in person at Mass. Right. But I think it is important that we do give something because we we receive something back in a, in a powerful way. I mean, I mean, the fact that we have a church that's beautiful, that's clean, you know, that has the lights that work. And now that I'm a pastor, I can tell you that um, things break down a lot more than I thought they'd, they would. Yeah. I've been I've been at this parish two weeks, and uh, already we've had to call the boiler guy twice. And in, in the summer. In the summer, yeah. <laughs> so it is yeah. hot water, right? That's pretty much it right now? Um, no, it's a whole nother... I've learned more about boilers in the last two weeks than oh, okay. I ever well, wanted to know. You but know. Yeah, it's just leaking. Just leaking. Oh, it's leaking? Oh, yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Good thing the air conditioning isn't gone. So far. <laughs> I'm praying I don't have to call yeah. that this summer. Yeah. No, I think it's important. I do think that it seems like the parishes do a good job when they... It's like, okay, we need to do this major project. I feel like people show up more. Like when when Saint when it's John, clear, you know where it's going. Exactly, and I think that's really important. So those statements that come out at the end of every year, however, whatever your fiscal year is, that show the income, the revenue, and the expenses, and whatever's at the bottom, I think it's powerful. I've seen that, like, I've tracked it, like my home parish in Cheshire, like over time, and you notice that when there is a deficit, and they'll have like a, a look back, you'll see a deficit, and then the next year the donations will go up. Huh. So I was like, okay, we ran a $20,000 deficit, which is usually like somebody just writes a check and fills it, right? But, yeah, yeah. but you know, uh, especially in an affluent area, but you know, it actually does help to see the transparency. Hmm. Do you think the church does a good job of being transparent about where the money's going? Or You could, you could say no. If you're... Um, parishes do an okay job. Um, I think that... They're probably not up to industry standards. No, no, not even close. I would say it depends, though. I would say that if you if you want to go dig into, you know, the the 990 form, which is like the public filing of every not-for-profit, you can probably go on the Diocese of Bridgeport and go find their 990 and 
look at all the d- data you want to look at. Mm. Um, I actually don't know if churches file 990s. I think they do. Um, but so I think that there's pretty there's some transparency there. I would say in general, the Catholic Church definitely has a bad rap, uh, especially <laughs> recently with some of the news about uh, about the uh, financial situation of the church. Yeah. It seems like there's a lot of money, but there's a lot of need for money. Yeah, it's a paradox. Yes, it is a paradox, and part of that, um, I can, I can say, maybe it's a man thing, but men like to see things that they've created, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we like to build with our hands. We like to see, like, I made that. And as a priest, you don't get to do that a whole lot because you kind of sow seeds, but you're not really sure if people are actually going to be disciples or change their life. And so, a lot of priests I've noticed like to build things. And renovate things. Sometimes they don't need to be renovated. Right. You know, or not built, or not built as extravagantly as they are built. And I think that's part of why maybe people are a little kind of like raise their eyebrows when the church asks for more money because they're like, well, what building project are we not going to need? Mm-hmm. How do you like the way the Germans do it? Oh, no, that's a terrible idea. Okay. That's a good point. <laughs> so for those who are listening, how do the Germans do it? So, the Ger- so if you're a Catholic on record in Germany, you actually you pay a tax, you have to opt out of it. You, you, you don't opt in, you opt out a tax as a Catholic and it goes to the church. Yeah. So there tends to be a little bit of power, maybe you could say, with German diocese. And also, um, Germany will never preach a difficult message because they don't want people leaving the church. Right, because then you opt out. Right. And then once mm. you opt out, that money stops coming. Right. So it's good until it's not. Yeah. And that's a challenge I feel now as a pastor is that, you know, it, I have to make sure that the people are happy enough to continue giving, but at the same time, I do have to preach the fullness of truth. And the fullness of the Catholic truth sometimes is very controversial, especially in today's world. So how do you plan? Well, maybe that's a discussion for another day. I was going to say, how, how do you plan, plan to, to balance that? that? Yeah. Or you have, well, you've only been in that for two weeks. so <laughs> this, is, this is how I plan to balance that because I've given it a lot of thought. I really have because yeah. I know it's something that um, a lot of pastors do struggle with. And I think that if you preach the truth and you, you're doing God's work, God will provide the money. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's true at St. John's. It's a pretty... Yeah, St. John's people, you know, the priests have always preached uh, unvarnished truth. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, Father Al Audet used to say, like, people come to our church because we do Catholic well. Yes. It's true. Yeah. People mm-hmm. come from an hour away. Because, yeah, because it's full test Catholicism. It's not watered down. Right. It's the full strength, you know. And, so. and that will draw some people and it will repel others. And nice. you just let the chips fall where they may, because yeah. ultimately it's the souls, you know, right. God will provide the money. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have a diocesan young adult council with the bishop and it's like, well, we're a bishop. The bishop was saying on one thing, so we're on a zoom call and he says, well, we need, we're going to need money to that, to do that. Oh, it doesn't matter. Jesus will provide the money. We'll be fine. <laughs> Good. Let's, let's do it. Good. <laughs> it's like, he will. Okay. Yeah, it's he true. Will. And then, you know, like we have all these organizations, foundations in faith and we stand with Christ and it's like, oh yeah, look at that. It's $10,000. Yay. Heck, every time, every time <laughs> I say the diocese, we need something else for our restless show. They're like, Here, here's $3,000. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank I got you. new microphones. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We sound good. We do. <laughs> <laughs> I will admit though, you know, growing up and hearing like every year, let's say Bishop's annual appeal or we're... $20,000 short. Like, that's something I do remember. We're, we're at this amount and we got to get to this amount. I always felt like, well, there's so many very wealthy people, you know? Especially growing up in Greenwich. Yeah. Yeah. Greenwich, Connecticut. It's like, <laughs> someone could take care of that. No problem. Like, I don't have to do anything about that. I mean, at that time I was a kid, so I wasn't giving anyway. But 
And then they'd say, well, we used to get this donation that was, I don't know, let's say 25000 a year, and we're not getting it this year. But it's like you still know there are so many other people that can do that. Yeah. So it's this balance, I think. Um, yeah, I think if you, you, if you people that, that are in the position to be able to do that, they, they really need to believe in the cause. Yeah. And so I think that the Bishop's Annual Appeal to me, and maybe because I just haven't read all the material that's available online, it's not as... Um, it's not as transparent as like we stand with Christ. Like we stand with Christ when we did that at St. John's, it was very clear. Like we're raising $6 million. We already got this much money from leasing this property. We got this much money that we have to raise from you people. And we're going to get this much money from the rest of the diocese. And like, it was very clear. We're using it for the renovation of here and we're building a prayer garden. We're doing this and we're doing that. And it's like, okay, good. Sign. Done. Yep. Yep. Right. And it's just very easy. So I think, and so for those things, we were like St. John's was able to raise $6 million in like three months. I mean, it was crazy how fast we raised that money. Yeah. And there's a bunch of people like, I'll match 100000 for the next 100000 that donates. It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, and it just came in. It was just incredible. Oh, well, that's, that's awesome. But, yeah. you know, to your point, I wonder if, and some people have told me this, that, that the wealthier communities tend to give less. Hmm. And I don't know why, but, you know, I mean, Jesus gives that great mm. story about um, those, you know, the rich people who are walking to the temple, putting in their... Yeah. dribs and drabs and then that poor widow comes in and, and she gives everything yeah it may not be much in terms of money but she's willing to give and i'll tell you um when i worked for three years at the hispanic parish in stanford at saint mary saint benedict's you know the people were not wealthy by any stretch but they gave and mostly they gave their time and they would do anything for the church building it fixing it you know the, a lot of them ran landscape companies so they would fix up the lawn for free and that was their tithe right so do you think then that uh, that you can tithe in other ways other than money? Can you tithe with your time? Can you tithe with your talents? I think tithing is very specifically monetary in nature or like taking, yeah, it's something that's monetary or kind of can be quantified very monetarily. So if you're giving, if you buy a bunch of stuff and then donate the stuff, right, it's the same thing, just unit of account. I don't think time is... I don't know if time is like counts in my opinion. Okay. Well, I definitely think, you know, volunteering, let's say, counts, right? As giving back to your community. Like I'm For sure. Yeah, that, yeah. But tithing that gives yeah, yeah, that gives money to all these organizations. But I've definitely given a lot of time over the years, right? Restless, we're volunteering, you know. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> None of us a take lot salary. Of time and <laughs> commuting and gas and why are we doing it? Well, we enjoy each other. And we know that it's something good, you know, so it's a way that we're giving yeah, back. Trying to build up the kingdom of God. Yeah. So and I do that with Ultimate a lot, doing clinics with kids, you know? Yeah. So I definitely feel like that's still worth something. But like you're saying, Paul, I think we are, you know, kind of supposed to and called to give monetarily. So giving in a volunteer sort of way is not the same. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. It's like it was the same thing with like fasting, right? Like or making a, a Lenten sacrifice or Lenten fast. It's like I don't. I always say like, well, if you give up your time, it's like, well, make sure you're giving up your time doing something else, not like giving up your time doing nothing, right? Like, yeah, it's yeah. not really a sacrifice, right? So it's the same kind of thing, like. Sure. Yeah. And and money for a lot of people is a big sacrifice. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It is very hard. Yeah. Oh, and can you talk about how at mass, right? We are also offering up like our donation right like the collection happens Mm -hmm. and that is part of the sacrifice absolutely i mean you think about how much time we spend each week on monetary things you know you're working 40 hours a week plus the drive time so you're talking you know 50 hours a week 
And so, so like really when you offer money, you're offering your life. You're saying these 50 hours that I spent trying to make this money, I'm now giving to God. So it's a really very powerful symbol, I think, of, you know, giving at mass to say, Lord, this is, this is from my week. It's from that time that I spent trying to do what, what you've called me to do. I think most people miss that message. Mm. Yeah. So it's important. But so, so that brings me to the next question is, you know, almsgiving and, and tithing should have a spiritual component. Like what benefit is it to us to give? Obviously it benefits the church and charities, but. Well, is it detachment? Sure. Does that yeah. count? <clears throat> right. Like being able to <clears throat> give something that you are putting so much time into and uh, it's a big part of our lives. Right. And, you know, for us, some people, it's easier than others. Right. If you're an accountant and these big financial guys, it's really not much. But when you're just starting out, when you're young, when you're in college, that's a big deal. I think a lot of people do want to hold on to their money. So being able to say, no, I don't need all of this. I can let it go. Mm. I can give it back to God does have a spiritual benefit because we are supposed to detach right right from these worldly things right i i will say that i i struggle like something i've always struggled with i i struggle with miserliness right i i like there's always a view of like uh in um the uh, christmas carol the mickey mouse christmas carol where scrooge is like surrounded by coins he just likes looking at his money i i struggle with that like i I kind of have that instinct for Mm. whatever reason Mm -hmm. and so it's really hard to write those checks so it's it feels good. like it feels like a sacrifice. Good. I'm not very good at it, and I don't give enough, probably. But oh, you've probably looked at maybe my account. I have no idea. Saint John system. I don't know, but 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 you know, I I I I'm trying to make a conscious effort to to do more. Well, Mother Teresa said, "Give until it hurts. Give until it hurts. Give until <laughs> there's a, there's a pinch, because we shouldn't give God just the leftovers, but really that first fruits of." Wow, this is, mm, ah, okay, yes, Lord, because I love you. Mm. It's going to be a concrete way of showing that. Thanks so much for joining us in this episode of Restless. My challenge for you is to give, to give to your church, to find a good charity to give to, and don't be afraid to write that check, not, not for worldly reasons, but so that you yourself may learn to rely on God and Him alone. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, which is accepting donations <laughs> at 13.50 a.m. And also, where, also wherever you get your podcasts. Take care and have a great week. Bye.